Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of We Got Next. I'm Rick Hampton, along with the big fella, Paul Mokeski, coming to you on a um, Tuesday evening. Hope everybody had a great day. It has been a busy day, Mo. Shocking news out of your beloved city of Milwaukee, where you are one of the legends of that franchise from those great teams back in the day. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks have fired their coach, Adrian Griffin, despite being off to a 30 and 13 start. Uh, I, I'm so glad I got you here to help us understand what could possibly lead to such a change? I understand it if you're 13 and 30. <laughs> this team is 30 and 13. Yeah, I think I saw. And, 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 and Mo, were you surprised to hear this? A little bit, timing wise, not eventually wise, but you know, I, I think uh, uh, Adrian, who I know and uh, coached in Dallas, um, you know, was let go with a thir uh, 30 and 13 record, which is the highest and best record of any coach let go at, at, during the season. So, you know, that that is a little surprising. However, when you know the expectations in Milwaukee, uh, the way they've been playing, and I know they made a, a change and they gave up uh, defense for offense, holiday for uh, uh, Damon, uh, but at the same point, you went from the fourth best defensive team in the league to the 22nd, and that's unacceptable. And I'm sorry, uh, I, I did the defensive grading and system for uh, the Great Britain national team, for the Dallas Mavericks for a while. Uh, you know, it comes down to knowing the schemes, you know, uh, switching or fronting or blah, 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 blah. But in the long run, it comes down to effort and commitment on defense. You have to have effort and commitment and uh, teamwork to cover and trust the system. And they never really did get that. Uh, I've talked to a couple people uh, that know stuff today. And uh, I, I just, uh, I don't think, and I saw it a little bit here in Vegas for the uh, uh, in-season tournament. The team didn't look like Both they teams were, uh, uh, were trusting and listening to uh, Adrian. Are we going to listen to this? No, 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 no. Just some. Oh. Just some. Right. Yeah, and go ahead. So they were, I don't think they were listening to him. Uh, you know, it's his first year as a, a head coach. He's been a great assistant, um, but thrown into uh, kind of the fray there. Uh, and uh, someone told me today that uh, after the Bucks won their championship a couple of years ago, a lot of egos started getting away and a lot of pettiness and which happens a lot when a team is successful. And I think that had something to do with it. We talked earlier, you know, I was very shocked that the veteran head coach and uh, uh, Terry Stotts, Terry Stotts had, had left after about 10 games in a really, really weird, strange situation that I've been around. I played for 12 years as a coach for 23. So what's so what's that, 35 years, whatever it's been? I've never really yeah. heard of that at that timing. Uh, so something something was wrong there. And, uh, 
you know, I guess uh, the Bucks decided to make this move at this time to kind of get ahead of the ahead of the, the situation. They're already halfway through the season. I mean, you're going to bring someone in. Joe Prunty, who uh, I work with in Dallas, and he's done this before, so he'll be okay for a while. But if you're going to bring in someone like what's rumored is Doc Rivers, uh, halfway through a season, uh, Doc can do it because he's been there before and players respect him. Um, it, it's going to be a, a tough, uh, you know, switch to, to switch on, uh, you know, you don't really, someone asked me today, well, they're going to bring someone else in. You're going to have to change the system. And they were, no, you don't. Basketball is basketball. And, you know, guys like that know how to play. You put in the simple stuff. Everyone runs pretty much the same stuff. You got a horn set, pick and roll set, uh, defensive schemes. You got to get down, but they know what they're doing. Uh, what you really have to do is address the attitude and uh, the situation that's going on. That's what you have to address. And uh, I'll give you an example. I was doing color commentating uh, for a FIBA tournament uh, the last few days. And uh, Jalapas, uh, Halcones Jalapas is a, a good team in Mexico. And they're in this tournament with uh, Venezuelan teams and Brazil teams. Anyway, a month ago, I did that game and they were horrible and they lost bad. And this month, I looked at their roster. They have seven new players. Seven <laughs> new players. And guess what? They won both games this week. They brought in veterans that were 32, 33, 34. They all knew what to do. They, you know, run the simple sets, spacing, draw and kick, play solid defense. And that's, they, it like, plugged right in. So I think it can be done. But it's just, like you said, Ricky, it's a weird timing. And, and Mo, it's so funny this happened because I've watched their last two games. They played both of their last two games here in Detroit against the Pistons. They won both of them, but the Pistons are a very poor team. They won't. They lost twenty eight straight. They were getting everything they wanted in game one. Lost one forty one to one thirty five. They they were taking Dame down in the post and shooting little layups. They did the same thing last night. Uh, that was a, a close game until the last six months or so. As you said, the good players just kind of, when they play bad teams, they show up. But Detroit was getting everything. They, I think I texted you that. I said, Milwaukee's terrible on the defensive end. If Detroit's doing this to you, what is Boston going to do to you? Or Philly. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Miami. Uh, and and you're so right. And, uh, you know, so that's part of it too, Ricky, because, you know, you, you saw two games back to back. Back to back. Their general managers and owners have been watching that. And you could tell everybody knows they've had the weakest schedule in the league. They have a good record, but they're beating bad teams barely. And that's not a good sign if you're going to make a run at the championship. And, uh, you know, and at the same time, uh, listen, if they're going to post little Dame up, then you make him front it and you help him from the backside and you make him change something. You can't just be right behind him. Oh, it's because it's easy and defense is not easy. So that's some schemes you can work with. And the first thing I would do if I went in there, I'd be watching all the films. I'd be breaking it down offensively, which not a problem. He scored 145. So I would be focusing on defense and I would put together clips of good stuff we're doing 
and mostly bad stuff. And listen, guys, we're going to change this pick and roll coverage. We're going to change this post-up coverage. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go on the court, and I'm going to show you what we're going to do, and we're going to work on it because this is not working. Hey, but Mo, in some of this personnel also, because you can't tell me Dame Lillard can be the defender that uh, Holiday has been for them for the past four or five years. No, he's not going to be, but he doesn't have to be. He has to be better than he is. When I was with the Dallas Mavericks for the first couple of years, we were outscoring everybody, but we didn't play any defense, so we lose in the first or second round. Then we implemented a defensive system. I was holding accountability for them, and I told people, Vinsky <coughs> is a bad defender. He's a bad defender. I don't need you to be a good defender, Dirk. I need you to be a better defender a little better defender, Steve Nash, a little better, a little better, and then everything will work itself out. But you can't just, you know, okay, I'm a bad defender and they're going to post me up. You know, well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think, and I remember you talking about when Scott's left, you, you raised the flag back then do, do you think his inexperience, because you always talk about that next seat over, was just a little, with his inexperience, with a team with such high uh, uh, expectations, this, this might have just been a bad choice about ownership. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, he, he, he'll probably, he, he's going to get another opportunity maybe, but so, so, sometimes when this happens, you know, you know, you lose your window. One thing is he's a really nice guy and he might've been too, uh, at the, especially at the beginning too, like uh, friendly or too, you know, nice, nice. And uh, at some point uh, the head coach has got to be, you know, the bad guy and he's got to hold people accountable. Even people that don't want to be held accountable. Sorry, you know, video room. I'm sorry, I'm not just going to call out the average players. I'm going to call out my best players. And that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> It's a hard thing to trust to do. Uh, and, you know, I've said this before, uh, you know, players know uh, what's going on. So, you know, you got to know what you're, know what you're doing. You have to have uh, communication skills and they got to let you coach them because you can say all you want to say, but if they don't do what you're telling them to do, you're hopeless because guess what? These guys are making 40, 30, $20 million. So guess who's going to win that battle? And, uh, you know, I think it, it started out that way. Let's, let's be truthful, right? Giannis runs this team now. He runs the team. He's the one this summer that said, hey, uh, you know, I'm planning on coming back, but, you know, if, if the organization doesn't make some moves to get us better, then I don't know what might happen. So guess what they had to do? They had to make a move for Giannis. And they got, and Holiday had, uh, was unfortunately left, and, and Damon Lillard came in, one of the best scorers, but terrible defender. So they made that change because Giannis said it. And now Giannis yeah. wanted, Giannis wanted Griffin. He wanted him. And now that yeah. didn't work out. And you see the huddle sometimes where players are talking to each other and everything. Guess what, uh, Giannis? You need to step up and say, hey, listen to this dude. You know, let's pay attention. Let's get, sometimes it has to fall on the players. Do, do you think Giannis was notified about this or was given 
A heads up. Uh, yeah. I, I just said he runs the team. So, um, yeah. yes. Yes. Because, you know, he's going to have to be on board. And, you know, Joe Prunty is, you know, an assistant coach. You know, he's okay, whatever. But he's not going to be that, that, that the coach that's coming in. So, here's what, okay. So, Jonas, you wanted Griffin, right? You wanted Adrian Griffin. You said that. So, now are we going to listen to you who you want next? Because we know how this worked out. So why don't you let us pick a coach and see, and then listen to that coach and see where it goes. But the NBA is a different animal, Ricky. It's not college. You know, it's, you know, college, the head coaches run the show. Playing mm-hmm. time, scholarships, everything. In the NBA, that's not true. The players run the show. So if mm-hmm. you don't bring in someone in there like a Doc Rivers that has respect and can handle it, you're going to be in trouble. But more, I'm telling you, watching them the last two nights, and and uh, uh, Dame had I, I, he had 40, 45 points uh, the first night, man. But he's a volume shooter. I think he's shooting like forty percent from the field, uh, and he and he's not guarding. He, you know, he's scoring forty, but he's giving away twenty five to the Pistons. Easy. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I mean, that, that result is not very high. And, here's, and, what, here's what happens, too. People don't understand the, the, the logic of basketball, right? So if, if you and I are on the same team, right, and you're taking 40 shots, I don't give it many shots. I get like 10 maybe, even though I might be better than you or equal to you, but you're taking the shots. So guess what? If Dame is shooting all the time, Giannis isn't getting his shots, but they're both getting their shots. Guess who's not getting shots? Lopez isn't getting shots. Uh, Middleton's not getting shots. Portis isn't getting shots. That's what happens. There's only a limited amount of shots you can have in a game. And distributing them is important. Yeah. And we want to welcome uh, all our viewers in from uh, around the world watching uh, We Got Next. I'm Ricky Hampton, along with uh, former Milwaukee Bucks center, Paul Mokeski. uh, welcome to Steve and Adam. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, checking in. What's up, guys? Uh, uh, Steve says uh, Doc Rivers is already in town. Uh, Did you see him, Steve? Uh, Did you see him, Steve? That's a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me know if you th- if you saw him, uh, Steve. Somebody. I, I know. I know. Here, let me tell you a story right now. I know. I talked to somebody today that there's a casino in Milwaukee called Potawatomi. And he went there and played blackjack this morning at 10 o'clock. Guess who was sitting at his blackjack table? Who? Adrian Griffin. (laughs) (laughs) So I I asked my guy, how much was he betting? Because you know what? He's going to, they're going to, oh, I think they owe $10 million still. So please give me that contract. You can I mean, give me that I, contract. You can fire me anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, and that and and you are, you understand the business end of it more. I just you know it, it was probably and it, and really if, if the Bucks felt like this is not working, even though it's gonna cost them ten million, this is probably the right move because Boston, you're gonna have to go get Boston. Boston's not coming back to you. Philly's not going anywhere. 
Right. And and, and we're going to talk about some of these trades. Miami uh, just made a move. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. I don't know if they got as good as you think they did, but you're right. So. Uh, but what I'm saying, teams aren't just. No, Philly's a half a game behind Milwaukee right now. Half a game. And Boston's there. And, you know, they're. So you're right. And, you know, could they wait it out and then probably lose in the first round? You know, um, you know, so that's, you know, they made their decision. I, I, I can't believe, I, I agree with Steve a little bit. I don't know if Doc's in town right now, but I don't think you make that move unless you have someone right there in your hip pocket at this point. Because you're a championship. It's not like you're Detroit. It's yeah. not like you're one of those teams, right? Yeah. Steve I mean, said he saw it on the news. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't and, believe most of the news, so. But, you and know, Adam you know, says, uh, you and your casino spies, Mo. Hey, <laughs> Adam, I got spies everywhere. You know that. Uh, especially in Milwaukee. But, you know, you don't, you can, you know, making this move if you're one of those other teams, Orlando or whoever, you can, you have a chance to, let's bring in somebody, let's try this guy. If you're the Milwaukee Bucks going for a championship with Giannis and Middleton and Lopez and all, Portis, all those guys are getting older, right? Your window's starting yeah. to close. You don't have a chance to, we're going to try this or try that, you know? So, um, you know, I, I can't think of, you know, I like Doc Rivers. However, he wasn't successful. He won a championship in Boston, but other than that, he wasn't a successful playoff coach, right? Right. <laughs> you know, so he wasn't a Philly. They got rid of him. Uh, you know, but, you know, you're looking at the names out there that could really fill a spot like this. You know, uh, Avery Johnson, um, uh, Mark Jackson. Uh, you know, those are some of the names you're talking about. But, you know, I don't know if they're ready either or they want to be. So we'll see, you know, what happens here pretty soon. Here's what's going to happen. You want Here's what's going to happen. For the next two weeks, the Bucks are going to play all out. Their defense is going to get better. They're going to play harder. They're going to look really better because everybody's going to circle the wagons and everything's good. But then when the shine wears off, uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, it, it could be back to normal playing no defense. That's what usually happens when you make a coach's change. All the players are like, yeah, we can, yeah, we'll show, we'll, yeah. But then, you know, that only lasts for a certain amount of time. So it's important to bring the right person in. Yeah. Hey, hey, Mo, who's a guy out there? Because we always hear the name, you know, the uh, underrated kind of guy that you like that is coaching out there today. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll talk about this later too, but my underrated guy already has a job, Chris Finch. Who's yeah, and, and we got it. Yeah, yeah we got so, some stuff. You know, that's, that's one of them. But, you know, uh, you know, here, bring in whoever you want and then bring in me, Jack Sigma, and Sidney Moncrief. All of coaching the NBA level, all know what they're doing, all from Milwaukee. There you go. There's your staff. There you go. Right there. You, you're the best underrated coach I know out there, Mo. Uh, and, and they got problems. Uh, Steve says Middleton's legs are yeah. almost gone. I, I, I agree yeah. with that. So here's, a, so, here's, so here's a question. If you really want to make a change, you're changing your coach and you really want to make a change, trade Middleton now when he has some value. Trade him. There you go. Get, get a younger, a more athletic player. And, you know, if you're going to make changes, then make changes. You know, it's like, it drives me crazy. NFL uh, teams firing their, their linebacker coach. What does that mean? That means nothing. 
you know, come on, man. You know, uh, Major League Baseball firing their base running coach. Shut up. You know, you know, you know so you're going to make some changes, Milwaukee? Make some changes then. Because you're right, Steve. Middleton, ever since his injuries with his knee and his hamstring, he hasn't been, the, you know, back to normal. And guess where that's hurts him? On defense. Offense, he can still get a shot off and make shots, but on defense, he can't move like he used to. So let's make a trade. Let's, you know, let's look a spot that we need, defense, obviously, and go get somebody and a draft pick for Middleton. There you go. Paul, when they won the uh, title, uh, they gave up 109 points a game. Now they're giving up almost 121 points a game. Yeah. How much were they scoring when they won the t- title? Uh, I, I I don't have that. They're scoring 124 now. Yeah. But they're giving up 121. Yeah, I bet I bet it was I bet they were they gave up what'd you say 109? I bet they're scoring 115. Plus, yeah, plus I, I can plus, I'll find that out before plus, the night. Plus though. six. But but your point is here's the problem though, when the Pistons can score hundred and whatever on you, you got a problem. You know, that's yeah. the you Pistons know? scored 135 points. And, and and they were on the way to a hun- another 120 point game. They just ran out of gas. They just don't have enough good players. And and they did that without Kate Cunningham. I think I tested text tested you about that. They were yeah. killing them. They were they were killing Dan. Yeah, here, he, he a, had 45, but he gave up 30. I guarantee you. Yeah, here's a, here's the thing. Like Kate Cunningham, I kind of liked, but then I watched him play this year. Takes bad shots. Makes bad decisions. I don't know if he's the future of your team there in, in Detroit, but that's my opinion. <laughs> well, I I think he's trying to do too much too, because uh, that you know we'll we'll have another number one draft pick, but there's nobody out there to help this team. Uh, they are in trouble. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I know I've seen I've seen three first round picks play here in, in the G League with the Ignite in Las Vegas. And uh, none of them are impact players at all. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. They're, they're calling this one of the poorest drafts ever. So, so, so <laughs> of course. You know, and they'll never do it. But go after Eddie, the big 7'3 kid from Purdue. That's killing it. Then at least yeah. you have a big. But no, he's yeah. not mobile. He's not this or he's that. I love that guy. What is he? Oh, let's see. He's got great hands. He's a good passer. He's strong. He makes his free throws. He finishes around the basket. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you, you remember we had this discussion. They said, "Well, we don't think he'll be a first round draft pick last year." I'm like, "You got to be kidding me!" Uh, well, look, uh, well, the former uh, uh, Henderson, the former uh, 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 Las Vegas Ignite player that's in Portland, he was the first pick, right? Yeah. What's he doing? <laughs> Right. Yeah, Scoot Henderson. Yeah, yeah. Scoot. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's not, I don't know, he's averaging probably 10 or 9 or whatever, but he's not going to change your your team, you know, and he was the first pick, so, yeah. Hey, hey Mo, let's, we, we had a deal last night in the Miami Heat, and, and we're going to, and I, I wonder if you think it's going to be a lot of moves uh, as we head towards the trade deadline, but Miami made a trade last night, uh, Getting uh, Terry Rozier, who turns 30 in March, he's averaging 23 points a game. Uh, he's heading to uh, 
the uh, Miami Heat. Uh, Charlotte is going to get uh, uh, Cal Lowry, who they're going to probably uh, buy out. Uh, and who else? They got another guy. Uh, I don't think that they got a couple of first round picks too. Oh yeah, yeah, and some uh, and and a and a first round pick. Now he adds firepower to the Heat, and he's a he's a tough, competitive guy. But you got some uh, questions about this move. I just don't think, you know, listen, his numbers, right? He's a, he's a two guard that averages 23 points a game and six assists, almost seven. Good numbers. That's good. But guess what? I mean, what did I, what did I argue about last year in the finals when Miami was playing to Denver? What was their biggest weakness? Size. Yeah, size. They have Bam playing the center. He's really a power forward. So did they address that? No. What they got was what the Bucks got. More scoring and a decent passer. But look at your roster. Tyler Hero is your number-wise your best player at 22 and 6. Then you got Bam at 21 and 10. Then you got Jimmy Butler 21 and 5. Then you got Duncan Robinson at 14 and uh uh Martin at 10 and 3. Where's your size? You don't have you know, you know who they have playing center? Love, who's like who's almost as old as me. You know, I mean, I mean, he's playing okay. He's got ten, he's averaging ten and six, but you know they have a young guy, Thomas Bryant, that's that's banged around a little bit. He's six eleven, two sixty. But you know, you address you added to your scoring, but did you address your size situation? No. But the, yeah, I, I agree with that because. Uh, but they traded first round picks, but what they did is they got money off their uh off their salary yeah. cap. Yeah. So they can use that. And I don't know if they're gonna trade anything, but maybe there's a big out there that can come in and help them. It's not freaking Dwight Howard, forget that. He's in Taiwan playing. It's not DeMarcus Cousins, same thing, he's in Taiwan playing. But uh, you know, maybe there's some veteran out there. If he's if he's not a free agent, maybe he's on one of these lower level teams that will let him go for, you know, one of your role players and not much. Uh, I don't know who that is, but you're going to look at, we're talking about trades now. Miami Eaton is in the sixth spot, but they're only two or three games out of the third spot. You know, the Knicks are in that situation. Indiana is there. Remember the great Indiana Pacers that are going to be the, the face of the East coast now. Well, guess what? They're in seventh place. You know, well, so. let's, let's talk about, let's stop there for a second, Mo. And, and uh, the, the, and just to clean up the heat trade, uh, the Hornets got Kyle Lowry, who they're going to buy out uh, reportedly, and a first round pick that's lottery protected. Of course, uh, the Heat's not going to be in the lottery, so they won't have to worry about that. But let's go to uh, Indy in Toronto. They did a deal last week. Uh, the Pacers sent Bruce Brown and Jordan Norwa uh, uh, to uh, Toronto for Pascal Siakam. The Pelicans are in, included in this deal, too. They also got two first-round picks from the Pacers and a conditional first-round pick for, Pia for Pascal Siakam. Does that do anything for the Pacers? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Pacers are uh, uh, Tyree Halliburton and everybody else. 
and they have like some some good young pieces in every position. They got a couple of young bigs that bang around, you know. So they got a good team, and a Siakam brings some dynamic scoring, athleticism. So yeah, that fits right in, and and he could be your second guy uh, underneath Halliburton. So yeah, that's to me that's a good trade. Uh, you know, you, you are selling the farm, right? You're giving away first rounders, which, you know, it's me. You know how I feel about them. But, you know, that is has value for trade. But that helps them. Siakam is a athletic, uh, impactful player. So, yeah, that helps Indiana for sure. But once again, they're in seventh spot. And they're, what are they? Um, probably four or five games out of really moving up where they want to move to the third or fourth spot, you know? But now's the time to make that move. It's how we're halfway through the season now. We're moving up on the trade deadline on the eighth, I think, in a couple of weeks, and then yeah. the All Star break, and then it's the home stretch. So I think that's a good move uh, for Indiana for sure. Yeah, uh, Indiana made a move. Pistons uh, traded Marvin Bagley, who I think is a you talk about good role player. Got six eleven. Averages like 12.6 rebounds. He, he could have maybe fit what uh, Miami was doing to add a little size to their roster. But uh, he's gone to Washington, and, <laughs> and he's had back-to-back 20 and 12 nights playing for the Wizards. Because yeah. he never got off the bench here. Yeah, I mean, you know. They, played, no, they were playing Wiseman in front of him. Wiseman is not a better player than Marvin Bagley. Yeah, Wiseman's going to be out of the league pretty soon. And yeah, so, but you went from bad team to bad team, but you got some playing time so you can show what they do. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at a Bagley, you're looking at he could help the Miami Heat. He could help the Golden State Warriors. You know, shoot, he could help a lot of teams up in there. You know, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know. What did Detroit get for him? Uh, bag of groceries? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I take that back. They, uh, I, um, Musella, I can't pronounce his name, though. Uh, Probably some young player. Yeah. No, no, oh, some older guys. Gallinari, oh. <laughs> uh, Delaneo Gallinari, and Mike Muscala. Oh, Muscala. Yeah, he shoots the three. He can play. Muscala can play. Gallinari's done. Um, you know, th- those are guys that are just going to come off the roster sooner or later. You know. Yeah, yeah, he's 33 years old. I mean, they're open. Marvin, Mar- Marvin Bagley was 24, so yeah. And Gallinari had a knee injury, I think, last year or two years ago. So uh, I saw I saw him in the Euro basket in uh, in uh, Treviso, Italy. I worked that camp uh, back in the day. He was like 17 years old, 16 years old. Muscala? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, Gallinari. Oh, Gallinari. Yeah. yeah. So, so there are going to be some uh, more trades uh, coming down the down the line. Uh, we we know that uh, to be sure. But I but I am still just I, I'm just taken aback by that that news out of Milwaukee today. I mean, that has been the big story uh, 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 of the day. Yeah, which guess what? That overshadowed uh, and beat seventy, and uh, um, uh, Minnesota's uh, travesty. Carl <laughs> um, Anthony Towns. Yeah, sixty-two. 
Mo, do you want to get to that? Because you talk about good coaches. Sure. And uh, I, I tell you, uh, Chris Finch was not a happy man uh, last night. Carl Anthony Towns could have scored 100. That was not going to please. And I, I actually love this. Uh, let's play this right now. He was three for 10 in the fourth quarter. He didn't score 100. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on, I've got it coming. <laughs> Chris, what happened in this one to let it slip away? Well, I mean, it was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball um, all the way through the game. So it really didn't slip away. It had been there from the jump, so... This is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach. You saw that from the beginning oh, yeah. of the game right through the and, and let me just jump in and say this is courtesy of uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, television network. For sure, yeah. yeah. How do you go about trying to right the ship when you see it's like that from minute uh, one? I kept, you know, imploring them to try to compete and play some defense. Um, I, Switching back between man and zone, anything to contain the ball, um, push it, you know, get up, get up on the shooters. Um, yeah, just uh, messages weren't getting through. So, seemed like all season when Carl or Ant start the quarter, first quarter off, and just scoring a lot of points, and it's coming pretty easy. That leads to the team's worst basketball. Yeah. How do you address that? Because there are going to be quarters where it's good when they start out hot, but not have it yeah. lead to bad team basketball from there. I mean, listen, yeah, it's, you're spot on. I mean, there's lots of times when just because you've scored two or three or four points in a row or baskets in a row, it doesn't, you know, obviously we're going to try to feed a hot hand, look for a hot hand, but at some point we got to get back to making the right play. We got to get back to doing the right things. Um, and, um, you know, that's just, uh, like I said, there's a lot of ways to be immature. There's always a lot of ways to be immature. Um, and there was a lot of immature performances here throughout the, the roster we totally disrespected the game ourselves um and we got exactly what we deserve so chris did did you also see i mean did it turn into carl trying to hunt like a absolutely a, a big number and yeah i mean it was i mean but for a while i mean it was going i mean that's <laughs> uh, so i'm telling you okay here's a couple things number one chris is a friend of mine number two chris is a straight shooter he doesn't uh, mince words. You know, he's going to tell you like it is. I'll tell you why you should know this. Because when they went back to uh, to uh, Towns in the locker room and they said, and they told him what Chris said, he said, that doesn't surprise me. That's what he told us after the game in the locker room. He mm -hmm. wasn't mincing words. He wasn't afraid of his all-star players. He was saying it like it was. And here's another thing. So what game do you think, if, if Minnesota is playing like they should play, the Timberwolves, who have the best record in the league, right? They're playing like they should play. Is there any way in the world that uh, uh, Anthony Edwards should have nine points? Nine points, right. There's no way. If you're playing right, Anthony Edwards should minimally have 20, easy, not nine. So you know they altered their game to try and get uh, uh, Towns uh, up scoring because they, you know, they knew that Embiid scored 70. You know that, right? And uh, Chris is a straight shooter. Chris, 
I've been around this game a long time. He's one of the most brilliant minds I've seen around basketball. And I've been around greats. I'm talking about Don Nelson, Adele Harris, Lenny Wilkins. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been around some great, great coaches. And, you know, but he is, uh, you know, his, his mind, his basketball mind is, is uh, uh, you know, bordering on genius. But the other thing is he's, he's not a, a smiley, feely guy. And he's going to tell you what he thinks, and he doesn't care if you're Anthony Towns or Paul Mokeski, the 12th guy on the bench. He doesn't care. And I think that showed, and that should tell the players something, right? So, so Paul, does that, does that concern you about this team? I mean, they have the best record there. They're sitting atop the West. Or is, this, is this a good lesson for this, for this team? I think it's a good lesson. Or we got to wait and see. No, that's a good lesson right on time, right? You lost a game, you know, you still, you know what, it costs you only half a game above OKC now, but let's be truthful. If I'm in the West, I'm worried about Denver and the Clippers. That's what I'm worried about. I'm surprised the Suns aren't playing better, but, you know, Minnesota is, are they better than Denver? Are they better than the Clippers? Are they even better than the Suns? I don't think so. They're, they were playing better. You know why they're playing better? Because they're playing together. They're playing with a purpose, and they're trying to win games. Well, guess what happened last night? They went off script. And no matter what Chris said in the huddle, no matter what he said, it you know during the game, they wouldn't get back on script. And they got it perfect. They got what they did. He said, "We got what we deserved." How perfect is that? So this is a great learning experience, and I guarantee you, because I've been there. Uh, you know, in the, we won a championship in the uh, G League and we played in the 2012 Olympics. You know, I, I was under him uh, as an assistant coach. He's going he's gonna, to, at the right time, when it simmers down, he's going to have a video session and he's going to show them playing. Here's, here's what we look like when we play right. Moving the ball, pass the ball, everybody touches it, gets shots, easy shots, no forces. And here's what we look like when we disrespect the game. Hunting for shots, not passing the ball, trying to find a guy that's not even open, and that's and that's a great learning experience. Better now than in the playoff run. Um, what uh, Steve asked, what do you think of uh, Rick Carlisle over in uh, Indy as a coach? Well, his his record speaks for itself, right, Steve? I mean, won a championship. Um, I really credit him because when I was an advanced scout for Dallas, I saw a lot of his games when he was, uh, uh, he was in Indiana, correct? He was in Detroit. Yeah, he, before he, that. Yeah, he may have been in Indiana yeah, yeah. and left and came back. Yeah, and this I remember, yeah. he was a really hard scout because most teams have probably four or five different sets, four or five options off those sets. So most teams run probably 20 to 25 different different plays in the game, probably, you know. And, uh, you know, so, uh, and they probably have 50 plays in their, in their playbook. Uh, Rick Carla had 50 or 60 plays back then in his playbook, but he ran every damn play. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm scouting the game. I'm saying, watch, he hasn't run 22 side yet. And here it comes. He runs it. And uh, that kind of 
that that's kind of predictable a little bit, but it also frustrates the players because he's kind of going by a script and saying, I need to run these plays instead of a feel for the game. Well, after a year or so in, in Dallas, he threw away that system he had and he went more feel and, you know, he had Dirk Nowitzki and he had some great players, but, you know, he, he wasn't running a lot of plays or sets. He was running some actions and trying to get Dirk the ball here and there and other guys. And that's a credit to a coach that has been coaching this way for years and been priest. He was an NBA head coach. And now I'm just going to switch over and, and adapt to the new way of playing and the yep. new, and, and he did it smooth and that, you know, it took some time, but he won a championship with that. And now he's got a young team in Indiana, you know, that, uh, you know, they have Halliburton who, you know, is, you know, becoming one of the better players in the league, but nobody thought that when he first came out and he's got a lot of young players around him. I watched him in person here in Las Vegas. Got a couple bigs, don't even know their names, that battle and rebound and can finish. You know, he's got all the pieces and he's doing a great job. And, and Paul, and he's gone from coaching when he was in Detroit with Chauncey Billups and, and those guys, they were a defensive minded team and they got to the conference semifinals and lost to uh, New Jersey. But that was a defensive minded team. And it was a different era of the game, too. But now he's over here. His team averages 125 points a game. Yeah. So he's only adapted to, I guess, what the strength of his team is. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he, he's smart enough. He knows how to coach defense. So you don't win a championship or seven-game series in the NBA by uh, outscoring people. You do score a lot of points, but, you know, the, the best team – you look at Warriors when they're winning it. Uh, you look at uh, Dallas when they won it. You look at these teams that could score, but they also were top five in defense in the league at the same time. You could do both, and he yeah. knows that. Yeah, and, and you know, another kind of a fallacy about <clears throat> the NBA, like like this trade for Terry Rozier, you know, Charlotte's a bad team. He's averaging 23 points a game. And I'm not necessarily saying this about Terry Rozier, because I think he's a good player, but but every team, no matter how bad they are, is going to have somebody that can score points. You know what? You know what? So if you score twenty points a game for the Pistons, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a really good player. Because yeah, somebody you know, going to score. Yeah, but you know what? His his scoring is whatever. You know what? Really, he can help with. He's averaging almost seven assists a game. Yeah. That's that's top twenty in the league. So that's going to transfer over to even more to a good team. So, yeah, you're right. Someone has to score on a bad team. I mean, you know, you're going to score 100 points. Someone's going to score 25, you know. You know, so, yeah. you know, but at the same time, I just don't like that because of the fit. He's another wing player, just like Duncan, uh, just like Hero, just like Butler. He's, I mean, you know, maybe he's a better distributor, maybe – Maybe they're going to groom him to be the point guard. Well, well, hey, uh, Carl Anthony Town wasn't the only big guy that had a night last night. Uh, Joel and B went for seventy points <laughs> for the uh, Philadelphia Seventy Six, and they did actually win the game. And and all this occur occurred on the eighteenth anniversary of uh, Kobe going for eighty one. Yeah, but your, your thoughts on all that, Mo? Yeah, and you look at you know, 
I mean, he can score inside, outside. You know, Towns is okay. He's a three. He, he, Towns make eight or nine threes in the first half, but uh, you know, Embiid is is scoring high, scoring low, and uh, I think he had like eighteen rebounds too, right? I think. Yeah. You know, so uh, you know, and that was more in the flow of the game, but uh, you know, uh, scoring seventy points in the NBA game is is no joke. I mean, you can tell how the handful of players that have done it. You know, there's, there's not many. There's Kobe's and Wilts, and uh, I think uh, Dame Lillard had one, and I think Donovan Mitchell had one, and you know, uh, but they're they're not. You know, it's a hard thing to do. Is and you know what? Especially when you're a center. I'm sorry. You know, because a lot of times you don't touch the ball, right? And and you know he was playing against Wimbiana, and do you think some of that was going? Let me show this young fella. Uh, who's the boss around here. He was 24 of 41. He was 21 of 23 from the line with 18 rebounds, five assists, one block, and one turnover. Wimbiana actually had 33 points himself uh, and uh, and seven rebounds. Yeah, I mean, part of it is that, yeah. It's always been that in the, in the NBA, right? Um, Wilt was the boss inside uh, and then Kareem came along and kind of, you know, shoot, shoot a sky hook and kind of take that, uh, you know, from him. And, you know, it's kind of always been that, you know, uh, Celtics had McHale and Parrish and, you know, th then the Pistons came along and, you know, it's, it's always been like that. But, you know what, uh, 70 points and 18 rebounds is something to be proud of. But let's not forget who the real GOAT is, right? Let's not forget the real GOAT. It's, it's Will. I mean, yeah. I mean, guess, guess how many, he had a hundred point game, right? And, and he had yeah. 25 rebounds in that game, by the way. He yeah. had six, he had six games of 70 or more points, six. He had 13 games of 65 points or more. Yeah. But here's, here's the numbers, Ricky. Look at this. He had 78 points and 43 rebounds. In the game. <laughs> <laughs> he had 73 points and 36 rebounds in a game. He had 68 and 38 rebounds in a game. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> let's let's be real. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, hey you know, uh, uh Steve poses a good question. Uh because you know, we're kind of getting to crunch time. They if Adrian Griffin can get fired with a 30 and 13 record, some of these other guys like uh, uh, my man out in uh, LA, uh, gosh, his name is Dar Darvin Ham. Yeah, Darvin Ham, Duncan Darvin Ham, Michigander. Could he be in trouble, Paul? Sure, absolutely. It's funny because, you know, NBA is a copycat league, right? You know, everybody wanted Twin Towers for a while. And Everybody wanted Showtime and everybody wanted, you know, it's kind of a copycat league. And really the, what the Bucks did is kind of relieve the pressure off the Lakers as, you know, you know, we, if we fire someone in the middle of the season, you know, but they're 22 and 22, they're a 500 team uh, that, that, you know, they're, they're in the ninth spot. They're in the play on in spot right now. So, you know, it does open that window. I think they need to make a trade and, and bring in a shooter that can help them, but real and really, you're thinking about they're in the ninth spot. Mavs are in the eighth. Sacramento's in the seventh. Phoenix is in the uh, fifth spot. 
but they're only three games apart. Right. So, so making a move or a coach's change and a trade at this time, you know, you can vault up and get on a run and get into, to, instead of ninth, you're in fifth spot. That's a big, big difference. But to answer your question, yes, it does make it easier for the Lakers if they wish to let Darvin Ham go. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, this hour has just, just gone by, uh, Paul. You know we got to talk some uh, football before we get out of here because uh, that would be so lovely if my boys could hook up with your boys in uh, in Vegas. That would be awesome. You'd have to, you'd have to come out then. Oh, absolutely. Your, your, your thoughts on the uh, – NFL playoffs, and uh, and it's that season in the NFL too, where these guys are getting fired and getting hired. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you what, and I'm not lying, Ricky. If I'm lying, let lightning strike me down right now. I'm sitting here with my wife Linda watching the Chiefs game, and the Bills lined up that field goal, and I looked at her and I said, "Wide right, this is going wide <laughs> right." And I almost, almost jumped out of my couch. But, uh, you know, there was no very happy that the Chiefs, uh, you know, tough loss for the Bills, you know, but two with Mahomes and Josh Allen, two of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, you know, you, Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson's there too, but, uh, they, you know, they battled it out and, uh, you know, it came down to, uh, you know, who, you know, who kind of had the ball at the end for the most part, but, uh, you know, the other thing that the Chiefs finally did is uh, they found another receiver besides Kelsey in uh, Rice. And uh, yeah. instead instead of throwing to whatever that guy's name that drops all the passes and, and lines up off sides. Tony, Tony. I don't even know if he's on the team anymore because they didn't throw him to him. So I, I like that. Hey, hey Mo, everybody's making a big deal about uh... – the Chiefs going on the on the road because they've been home all these all these years, and 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 at the professional level, because I think this kind of mirrors basketball and and football, because these are our adult men who are going to play these games. Does the road, does home court mean a lot? It means something. I wouldn't say a lot, uh, but you know at, when you're t- the most tired and. You know, the fans are either cheering for you to come on, let's get some energy and play defense or whatever. That you're 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 human beings, so that means something. Uh, sometimes playing at home puts some more pressure on you, you know, because you're expected to uh, you know play better. Um, but you know, a biggest advantage, you know, that people think not really because they are professionals. However, football is different though. You go on the road in football, you could play in a totally different atmosphere weather-wise. Just ask the right, well, yeah, right. No, I'm not yeah. talking about the conditions. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, when, my, when Miami went to Buffalo, I knew they had no chance. You know, and, and I don't know why they didn't go there a week earlier or something. But that basketball, you're playing in an arena. So, you know, it's an arena. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when you guys were going in the, to, to the Boston Garden, that hellhole – yeah. I mean, did you – you had to be a band of brothers because you yeah, had 18,000 well, people. Yeah, you're sitting in that piece of shit locker room that <laughs> hot as hell and you know they're doing it on purpose and, you know, the floor is terrible and, 
you know, and the fans are brutal. But you know what? That's well, it's fun as hell doing that. You know, yeah. we we never uh, we won games in there. We swept them out of the playoffs one year. You know, but when it mattered, you know, playing a game seven in the Boston Garden, we we were right there. We just couldn't get over the edge. But those experiences are, you know, and and you know what? If you know your ears are ringing, and you know, you, but you know, the pressures a lot of times is what you put on yourself. And uh, you know, the best players are playing the pressure. You gotta be nervous, a little scared, a little excited, and a little calm all at one time. I, all I, different things, but you gotta be at all at one time. I say that uh, Dan Campbell, the coach of the Lions, uh, were talking about you know they had their first two games at home, and the crowd was crazy, and that on that crowd, and and he was saying the other day he's saying away, of course I like for us to have another home game, but we don't. But in a way, this is good for us because we can band together. We know what we're going to face, and we can go out there and just give it our shot. It's all on them. They got to protect their home court. I mean, he didn't say home court, you know, and I'm paraphrasing. So in a way, he was saying this is kind of easing the pressure on us because don't nobody think Detroit's going to win this weekend. And there's a couple – Pluses and minuses there about playing at home, playing on the road. Pluses, of course, you're playing in your own, own stadium, arena. You have your own locker room you're used to. There's more support staff around usually. You're sleeping in your own bed. Uh, you know, you have a routine. But that's almost, that's also a minus. You go on the road, you're staying in a hotel in a, in a confined environment. You know, you can order room service or hang out with your guys, uh, you know, no one's knocking on your door, ask for tickets for the game, you know, right. take care of that. And uh, so that's the advantage, you know, you know, so there's pluses and minuses and, you know, in professional sports, you have to deal with both of them there, you know, no team and no team in football, no team in any sport plays at home, all their games on the playoffs. So, and especially right. if shooting a football, you know, the Super Bowl is not going to usually except one or two times, not going to be in your home stadium. So, uh, you know, it's interesting here, Ricky, uh, they're talking, obviously, the Super Bowl is here in Las Vegas in three weeks, and they're preparing for it and parties and excitement, blah, blah, blah. All the teams, all both teams are staying out at Lake Las Vegas, which is about 45 minutes away from the Strip. Yeah, well. And it has, it has, its, it has uh, two nice hotels, has a lake, has a golf course, uh, but you're way out there. Now, now I'm not telling you. If a player comes in and stays in like Las Vegas and they want to go to the strip, they're going to the strip. It's a thing called Uber, you know. But <laughs> you know, but you can you can control the environment more out there. Right. You know, you yeah. can actually it's a gated area too, so people aren't bombarding you or whatever. And you know, you have your meetings there, so that's kind of interesting. But both teams will have that. The yeah. other thing is here's another thing. Um, uh, one team is going to practice at the uh, UNLV Las Vegas practice facility, and one's going to practice at the Raiders practice facility. That's now the UNLV practice facility is nice, but not as nice. It as ain't the Raiders. the Raiders, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a little interesting too. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely appreciated the Packers uh, uh, knocking Dallas off. I was actually cheering for the Packers, man. I wanted. It's to be Green Bay and Detroit representing the uh, NFC North. It should have been. Green Bay's got a, a, yeah, a really good team, some good young teams in the NFC North. Talk about a young kicker that missed a field goal 
but also talk about a young, talented quarterback that threw a ridiculous interception at the end. Not saying that they would have tied it up or anything, but, you know, he was trying to be Mahomes, but Mahomes knows now that you get in that situation, just throw the throw the ball out of bounds and you got three more downs. So it's yeah, that was frustrating. But the Packers were lucky to get in. You know, no yeah. one thought they were going to and win the first game. So I'm not too down about that. No, that a, a great run. Hey Mo, we gotta get out of here, man. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Appreciate your questions and comments. We'll be back next uh, Tuesday. Hopefully Monday, nobody Monday, Monday, Monday. Yeah, next Monday. Uh, Mo's doing some uh, over overseas broadcasting duties. Hey, hopefully nobody gets fired between now and then, Mo. But you, you, I think I think I think Darvin Ham is looking over his shoulder a little bit. Why? Why is never, Bus, Why is GD Bus coming to my office right now? <laughs> Hey, for for the big fella, for, hey, hey, and don't forget you can you can get this show and all our shows at believe.com, b l e a v dot com. For the big fella, Paul Mokeski, I'm Rick Hampton. Peace. See you next week, everybody. Thanks. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.